Well, uh, hello and welcome to the Not Safe for Sunday School podcast. I'm sitting down today with my boss and friend, Eric, uh, who is the lead pastor of our church. Uh, and we're kind of just opening up this, this podcast, yeah. uh, talking about some misconceptions, uh, things that you, you may have heard uh, in, in the church, uh, either as uh, a, a kid or as yeah. a new convert or something like that, or just over your years of, of being in church, yeah. uh, that maybe <laughs> haven't been explained very well or have been maybe oversimplified right. a little too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, really exciting to, to jump in and, and start this today. Yeah. Uh, Is there like a seven-second delay, or are you just going to bleep out all the swear words since it's the <laughs> not safe for Sunday school podcast? Like, how far can I go? No, we're going we're going full <laughs> okay, swear words right. on this one. Yeah, if you get heated, I'm just going to just right. let it run. Yeah. All so right. th- this is not your, your average church okay. podcast. This is how this... I get canceled, is what you're saying. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is a, a little more open forum okay. than, than some of the other stuff that we do yeah. uh, to just be able to say like, hey, we're going to have real conversation yeah. about some of the stuff that we see in the right. Bible. And uh, and here's maybe some of the things that people get tripped up yeah. on uh, that need a little more clarification. Yeah. And so I figure since we're in the month of January, we should start off at uh, the beginning of the year yeah. with the beginning of the Bible. I like it. And so uh, we're looking at uh, the book of Genesis mm-hmm. today. And there was something really interesting that you said to, to me and some of the other pastors here a while back about Genesis 1 through 11. Yeah. Uh, about maybe it just not being exactly <laughs> how uh, how we've perceived it right. to be. Right, right. Uh, could you explain that a yeah. little bit? Because I, I think you do a much better job of explaining well, it than I, I do. So this is what, you know, this is a, a trip, tricky topic. And um, I can think back to my earliest days of being a Christian and uh, well-meaning people that I, 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 you know, I think they genuinely believed some of what they were saying or most of what they were saying. Um, and so I don't, I don't attribute any malice or any, like, any ill will or anything like that. I think... Um, there is a modern temptation to make uh, ancient, you know, Hebrew, uh, Middle Eastern writing uh, abide by the rules that we would put on certain genres of literature. So when we read something that reads a little bit like history in our Bible, we apply the rules that modern you know, uh, post-enlightenment people put on history, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it actually should have happened exactly the way it was said. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. let's disregard the fact that the history books in the public schools that I had growing up were pretty bad histories. (laughs) They left a lot of details Mm -hmm. out, right? So we don't even abide by those rules in our history. But Mm -hmm. we have this ideal that what what we're reading in scripture should almost be a word for word documentary of exactly what happened because that's mm. how history works. Mm. Um, and the problem with that is that the the people who wrote these things down in the cultures that that they existed in did not play by those rules because mm. that was not an important part of their culture or mm. their understanding of of how did we get here, where mm. did we come from. Mm-hmm. So specifically with Genesis one through eleven. Um, uh, there is in biblical scholarship this idea that what we're dealing with is, you know, either myth or allegory mm-hmm. or 
um, or, or something else, something other than history, that these these chapters in the Bible exist for theological reasons, mm. um, not for historical reasons. Mm. And um, and yet, um, like I said, when I first you know started really studying the Bible earnestly and wanting to know what does it say, there were a lot of people that it seemed really important to them that I read the Bible through this very literalist um, understanding that mm. any contradictions that seem to happen in the books, uh, you know, first uh, 11 chapters, um, whether they be contradictions within the text themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Genesis 1 and 2 tell completely different mm-hmm. creation stories. Right, right, right. And so there was very creative ways in which these people said, no, 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 they're the same story and here's how, even mm-hmm. though what's on the page it was it was definitely uh, they were doing a lot of work they were there was a lot of effort involved in mm-hmm. making them somehow connect right yeah um so whether it be contradictions within the text or contradictions with like other um, disciplines like archaeology mm-hmm. or history mm-hmm. or or whatever it may be um those contradictions can be explained away because this 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 and this mm-hmm. they're very uh, you know there's there's some apologetics that are being done that um you know at the time i i found convincing enough that I was just like, cool, I don't need to think about this anymore. Yeah. And for a while that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, you know, I don't, I don't think that way anymore. I, I, when people would, if people would ask me personally, is Genesis one through 11, uh, history, did it actually mm. happen the way the text said? I, my answer is, I don't know. Mm. I, I just, I don't think it's important either way. <laughs> um, if, if it's allegory, it does mm-hmm. not change, um, my foundation of faith in any way because mm-hmm. the theological purpose of these chapters still rings true. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's at the, the kind of the center of the controversy. And I know a lot of people have, have lost faith because mm-hmm. they are people who, you know, or maybe they, they take education very seriously mm-hmm. and they learned um, in some scientific discipline, some information that was just seemed irrefutable, but mm-hmm. didn't, jibe with a word-for-word documentary history reading of Genesis 1 through 11, right? Um, That, you know, even the, the, you know, like, well, if we take these genealogies, we can say, here's how long ago Adam and Eve existed, and that Mm -hmm. makes the earth about 6,000 years old. And Mm -hmm. it's, honestly, it's pretty hard to, to, (laughs) to believe, given all we know from other disciplines that the earth is only 6,000 years old. And so um, the challenge comes from um, do we make it um, required doctrine mm. or dogma mm-hmm. uh, that that you read these chapters literally, or else everything else falls apart, and you're mm-hmm. not any longer a part of you know uh, true Christianity? Mm. And in many contexts, that is the case. Um, th- that there's a, there's a reading of scripture that says, uh, well, if you can't take these verses literally, word for word, then you can't take any of it literally word for word and even the gospel and Jesus, they all fall apart and, and you have nothing left. So mm. you've, you've walked away from Orthodox faith if you don't take these things literally. Mm-hmm. And so then people find themselves in this dilemma. <laughs> well, I don't take them literally. And mm-hmm. if this is the choice I have to make, I guess I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know how long this is, this conversation is going to last. Maybe this is like, we're almost done with it or maybe this is early on, but I want to say right now, <laughs> You don't have to walk away from it. There yeah, are yeah. other ways that uh, of reading the text that are d- deeply rich and uh, theologically very important, and uh, you don't have to, you know, choose one mm-hmm. or the other. You can you can understand 
what the author is and even what God is trying to do um, mm-hmm. through through these these texts. Mm-hmm. So that's a big broad overview of like the issue yeah, at yeah. hand. Um, but you know, there's a lot more we can dig into in t- terms of details. Let's unpack this a little yeah. bit. Thank, thanks for that that overview. Yeah. Um, I, there's there's two things that I, I kind of want to do. Yeah. Uh, first thing you mentioned this idea of a myth. And so mm. uh, I, I want to kind of just yeah. talk about like this idea of, of myth as we see it in English. It's like, yes. oh, well, that's fake. Yes. Right. Uh, but when we talk about myth and mythology, yeah. like it's like a creation mythology. This right. is the, the way that, that the ancient peoples believed right. in their culture that the world came to be and mm-hmm. things like that based off of their observations. Right. And, and us today, we have the privilege of science yes. and modern technology yes. and, and just so many things that I don't understand right. as, as a person, yeah. uh, but much smarter people than me do. And they yeah. can they can say, oh, well, we can date the earth back this many years, yeah. blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And and so when we're talking about a, a, a creation sure. myth, right, it's not saying like, oh, this is the pretty flowers that we imagine how the world <laughs> came to be and we're going to live inside our sheltered little right. bubble. Right, right. It's, it's like, oh, this is the perspective that the people writing the Bible right. had on how things came about. Yes. Um, so now I, I want to unpack, unpack the uh, the chapters uh, a little bit more. There's, sure. a, there's a couple of great stories in here. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I want to kind of talk about uh, some of the things that, that you've seen as a pastor and as someone uh, who uh, kind of became a, a Christian, if I'm remembering correctly, as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, I, as, as someone who grew up in the church right. and went to a Christian school, what are some of the things that we've heard yeah. uh, and been taught about this? And then we'll kind of talk about maybe yeah. why that's not exactly on the mark of how we should be a- approaching right. these no, things. That's good. That's good. Um, so, so Genesis 1, right, we have the mm-hmm. creation story. Um, and uh, we, we talk about the, the seven-day creation, and, yeah. and God made everything good, and everything mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, and then God creates man and woman, yeah. and, uh, and then man messes everything up yeah. for everyone, yeah. and that sucks. Like, screw you, Adam well, and Eve. And I would even pause before you go further. <laughs> right. Um, Genesis, like I said before, Genesis 1 and 2 actually seem to tell different creation stories. Right. So if you look at Genesis 1, it's, um, and uh, I can, you know, later I can get into some of the theological reasons why uh-huh. the author would do conflicting creation stories. Mm-hmm. Genesis 1, it's God creates everything, and then man is the the, the crowning achievement, the very mm-hmm. last thing created. Mm-hmm. And then it's the opposite in Genesis 2. God mm-hmm. creates man. It's not good for man to be alone, so mm-hmm. let me create these other things. Then the animals come, right? right? And then that's not good, so let me create woman, right? Yeah. And it, so, yeah, again, there are people who try to harmonize those and make right, them say right. that they're that, – but they're not. Like, they're right. just not, and that's okay. Well, that's, um, that's, a, that's <laughs> a Sunday school lens, right? Right, right, is right. What we're talking about exactly. now is, is like – we we have ways that we can bend over backwards and right. and right. ignore any contradictions yeah, yeah, that totally. might might pop yeah. up. And so you know, like that right off the bat, like there there is a coherent story that starts to take shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, like a lot of Bible scholars would say, it's actually like two through eight mm-hmm. are one story. Mm-hmm. Genesis two through eight are kind of one mm-hmm. story. Um, mm-hmm. Genesis one is kind of. It exists for a different reason, yeah. and then you get tinted. Kind know. of like a prologue, almost. Right. Like, right. like, hey, here's the introduction yeah. to everything yeah. you're about to... And so, um, so yeah, you get to this this idea of God creates everything, and it's good. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the, the primary understanding of, of creation, is that God made it, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, then 
human beings mess it all up in chapter right. three, and that leads to like, you know, essentially the chaos that we all see mm-hmm. in, in the world around us. It's right. like, yeah, we see shadows of good, and we see a whole lot of bad, and mm-hmm. you know, like even even within ourselves, we know that we're a mix of good and bad. You know, mm-hmm. and it kind of is telling that story of how did we get this? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Taking a look at at those just first three chapters, yeah. right? We see this this yeah. first story in Genesis. Uh, I, I was taught growing up that the world was made in seven days, right? Right, and on the seventh day, God rested. Right. Number one, why does God need to rest? Sure. Right, He's God. Yeah. Uh, and and then of course uh, all the bending over backwards right. with the differences of Genesis one and two. Right. Uh, and then the the question that that comes up a lot, I I feel like with Genesis three is like if God created everything to be good in Genesis one, yeah, yeah. then what power does humanity have to mess everything up? Right. Right. But that's how we we talk about yeah. the Bible sometimes, especially in like youth ministry and stuff like that is like, oh, yeah, the, the first page of the Bible is how God made everything awesome. Awesome. And then the right. next page is how humanity messed it up. Yep. And then the rest of the Bible is God trying to yep. put everything back together, right. uh, which I, I feel like is not totally 100 percent right. wrong. Right. But is that really the right yeah, way that yeah, we yeah. should be looking at, yeah. at everything? I think it's a good time to talk about the purpose of two creation stories, right? Gotcha. Um, there's Genesis 1, the mm-hmm. characteriz- characterization of God is that he's high, lofty, mm-hmm. like just speaking things to existence in, mm-hmm. in just power, but yeah. detached from the creation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Genesis 2 uh, shows God walking in the garden. Mm. Uh, shows God molding Adam out of the dirt, like mm. with with these, you know, you get a humanized version of God, a yeah. very, you know, imminent God. Mm. He's he's there, he's hands on, he's literally breathing yeah. life into Adam, right? Yeah. And this is um, the, the theological reasoning behind that seems to be that this is how we experience God. There are mm. times where it feels like. He's far away and he's mysterious. Mm. Um, he's powerful. Mm-hmm. He's transcendent. He's yeah. above. But like, you know, there, there's that awe, that like distance. Yeah. Right? And then there's the times where it seems like God is near and mm. involved and mm-hmm. intervening and hands on and breathing life. And so um, in my mind, like, so when people would say like, well, you don't read those to be literal. And I would go, I just don't know, think that's important because mm-hmm. I honestly think it's more, it's, it, the theological, it's not lesser mm-hmm. if it's not literal. Right. It's not. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It mm-hmm. teaches us this theological truth that we have an all-powerful, mm-hmm. amazing, mm-hmm. awe-inspiring God mm-hmm. who cares enough to get in the dirt with us, yeah. to literally be hands-on in this way, according to Genesis 2, that he's involved in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, that truth is enough for Genesis 1 and 2 to exist. We don't yeah. need anything else from it. And so... Um, I think that's really helpful way. So as people are like, okay, if I don't read it literally, is that how am I not abandoning truth then? And well, let's get to what the purpose of the text is. The mm. purpose of the text is to show what God is like. Mm. You know, mm. um, both um, both creation narratives, Genesis one and Genesis two, actually have parallels in the cultures around them. Mm. Um, there's a Babylonian creation story that's mm-hmm. very similar to Genesis one, mm-hmm. uh, and I can't remember if it was. Sumerian or uh, or uh, a different Babylonian mm-hmm. creation story that very similar to actually Genesis two through eight. Mm-hmm. There are many parallels to this other um, 
text that um, show you know yeah. the, the story happening in this way, including a problem mm -hmm. that gets so bad, like mm -hmm. humanity introduces this problem to creation so bad that God judges the, or the gods judge yeah. and flood and all that stuff. So. Um, yeah, the flood is a very common right. Uh, right. part of a lot of ancient cultures. Absolutely. I, I was just reading the other day, um, there are multiple, um, like, native cultures in Mexico hmm. that have flood stories and Tower of Babel stories yeah. that could not possibly be connected mm -hmm. to, you know, the Semitic ones that we have, including the one in the, in the Hebrew Bible. And so... Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, there's something about, like, <laughs> humanity that, like, we experience the world in such similar ways that when we try to make sense of it, it mm -hmm. kind of comes together yeah. very similar. It's, I think it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, other people might be weirded out by that, but I think it's interesting how mm -hmm. we process what we experience as humans, and yeah. it's pretty universal, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that to say, like, if, if we can take a theological lens to the text, mm -hmm. why does God want us to have this? Mm. What does he want us to know about himself, about ourselves, about, about the things that we're experiencing? Mm -hmm. That will help us avoid the pitfalls of trying to force you know, literal history into them because mm -hmm. the, the Bible is not simply a history book. Mm. It is a theological te text that is, is, you know, help, is meant to help us understand who God is, what he's like, what he cares about. Mm -hmm. um, to understand our limitations as humanity mm -hmm. and to seek him out and try to live and step with him. That's mm -hmm. why it exists. Yeah. So Genesis 1 and 2, the creation stories, are very powerful in showing us God is both all-powerful. Mm -hmm. And then in Genesis 2, it, it, I'm getting real nerdy. If I, keep, <laughs> if I go on too long, you can tell me to show up. In Genesis 1, the, the word for God is Elohim, mm -hmm. which is just a very run-of-the-mill Almost lowercase g, God, right? Mm -hmm. Elohim. It's a very mm -hmm. it's most commonly used word for God in the Bible. It's mm -hmm. very common in that time mm -hmm. cultures, right? Genesis 2, we get Yahweh Elohim, the mm -hmm. Lord God, Yahweh yeah. Elohim. And Yahweh, we know, is the name that is revealed to Moses in mm -hmm. um, uh, in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it means I am, who, I am that I am, or mm -hmm. I will be mm -hmm. who I will be. Or, you know, there's many different ways it can be translated. Yeah. All that to say... We go from this transcendent Elohim, this God, this mysterious thing that's out there that's you know pulling all the levers, making it happen, and then mm -hmm. chapter two. But but that Elohim is Yahweh Elohim, the mm -hmm. one true God. So mm -hmm. we've all heard these Babylonian stories about mm -hmm. how God created everything. Mm -hmm. Well, let's reframe that and help us to understand who this God is. Mm -hmm. It's not just this distant God or this 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 false god it's actually mm -hmm. the one true god it's yeah. yahweh the 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 lord is what is written in our english bibles if you mm -hmm. see all caps lord mm -hmm. that's yahweh that's his mm -hmm. name right mm -hmm. it's this powerful thing and so it comes back to not what happens um at the beginning of time and creation mm -hmm. it's who is behind it all mm -hmm. and the rest of the bible then is is unveiling Okay, if this is the God who created all, if this is what the one true God is like, what's the rest of the story? Mm -hmm. It's setting up the rest of the story so that as people go, how do we make sense of the here and now and what mm -hmm. we've been through? Mm -hmm. Who's who's behind it all? Yeah. Who's who's the one in charge? Mm -hmm. And what do we do? To, mm -hmm. You know, how do we connect with this mm -hmm. this, this being, this God? So, mm -hmm. a long, you know, uh, uh, journey <laughs> off the path there but i think that's important yeah because, yeah because that's that's the 
what's at stake isn't do we lose the whole Bible if we stop making it literally. What's right. at stake is how do we understand who God is? Right. And what is this book trying to tell us about that? Um, yeah. And I find it freeing to, to read it through that lens as opposed to, you know, a yeah. strict history lens. Yeah, and I mean, if we build all of our theology based off of this one passage, right? right let's let's say that that science advances, and and at some point we as humanity are able to prove the right. Big Bang theory or right. the theory of evolution. Is your entire faith going to crumble right. because you built up so much around a literal mm-hmm. seven day creation? Right. Or, like you said, is it really not the point? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there's no, a, a, a couple of, of uh, cool things that I want to note about what you said. Uh, Genesis 1, I, I did some research into how uh, Hebrew poetry is actually written. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, it's beautiful. Genesis 1 is, is, is very great, and it does yes. a lot of repetition, right? Yes. There's seven days of creation. Yeah. There are seven words in, in the first stanza. Yeah. Uh, the second stanza has two times yeah. seven words. And then uh, there are um, this this repeating number of, of seven times yeah. that God says that everything is is good yeah. uh, and then in his closing remarks there is uh, there is more more mm. repetitions of seven in the Hebrew yeah. uh, that we don't see plainly in the English and yeah. it's it's almost like for us uh, in the 21st century reading <laughs> Shakespeare yeah. and going like this doesn't really make sense yeah. uh, it's just a different way of totally. speaking it's beautiful it, it's yeah. at, like there's no other literature like it in the entire Bible. It's 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 one of a kind. Like yeah. Genesis one is a masterpiece mm-hmm. of, of literature for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I liked what you said about like here's here's the the creation myth that you've heard. Yeah. Here's how the the God of Israel fits yeah. into this. Yeah. And there, there's a, a couple of things there. It reminds me of Paul in the New Testament talking about like here's all these gods that that you worship, yeah. right? Let me tell you about the unknown God that you're not talking yes, about. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to note that that uh, if uh, if I'm correct here, that Genesis was most likely written by Moses. Uh, eh. It's, it's kind of hard to tell with some of these things, but uh, <laughs> but my, my my point is 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 that like uh, God is not going to like his scribe saying, yes. "Hey, yeah, write that down. Write that down." Right. This is written much later and passed down through totally. through the generations. Totally. Uh, and at some point, yeah. right, uh, it it was written by someone. Right. Uh, and uh, and they had to deal. Israel had to deal with a lot of surrounding cultures. Absolutely. Around them. If if you have uh, better information on, on who wrote yeah. the book of Genesis, feel free to jump in on that. Because yeah. again, that's something that that I sure. was I've been told. Yeah. But I've, I've learned, especially when it comes to the authors yeah. of Scripture, you can't exactly definitively yeah. say, oh, this was definitely 100% written by this person. Right. Even, even <laughs> so that's a great one. There's, there's, multiple, um, there's multiple perspectives on this. Right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's the, the, the idea that Moses wrote this because mm-hmm. along the way there seemed to be a few mentions in the text that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first mm-hmm. five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have no... There's no physical evidence mm-hmm. to show mm-hmm. that um, earliest manuscripts are hundreds and hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, some are likely um, written down in the um, for the first time. Now, let me be clear: that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that these stories didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, oral tradition is oh, yeah. is the majority of human history. Oral mm-hmm. tradition has been the dominant way mm-hmm. for uh, things to be passed on, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's likely that most of this was written um, during the exile, mm. um, and so uh, and there's a lot of evidence for that within the text. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 
when you see some of the like outside influence and pressures, mm. it seems more likely that we're talking about you know Babylonian mm. than Canaanite. Yeah. Right. Um, and again, it doesn't mean that Moses didn't pass these on, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't mean that maybe some of them weren't written down and then they were later edited or mm-hmm. added to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the texts themselves actually seem to come from two different sources completely. Mm. One um, that is, you know, kind of pre, they would say, um, I don't even know what the, I can't remember all the technical terms for it, but there's like the pre-Yahwist and the mm. Yahwist uh, sources. Mm. So one of them is, uh, you know, clearly writing from the perspective of someone who understands that Yahweh Elohim is behind mm-hmm. us. And so you're going to get your Genesis 2, mm-hmm. uh, you know, s- source from there. And mm-hmm. then there's another that seems to like be um, maybe they're not influenced by that so much or, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, existed before that. Mm-hmm. And they get smashed together by editors at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the Bible, you can actually see whether it be style or whether it be like, maybe mm-hmm. a little difference in, in theological tone or whatever, there are these different things that you're like, well, this was probably written by the J source, and this mm-hmm. was probably written by the whatever source. And yeah. so all that to say, um, from my perspective, and, and I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, uh, <laughs> I, it doesn't seem like Moses wrote these things down. Mm-hmm. He didn't give the Pentateuch as it exists to, uh, you know, to scribes to write down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, that's tricky because yeah. we, from the text we understand that Moses does bring the law from God, mm-hmm. right? So somebody is writing some of this down, mm-hmm. right? And and this is preserved whether by oral tradition or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of theories about you know um, when we get to later in the Old Testament, you see people like Ezra and Nehemiah. So a lot mm-hmm. of people think that Ezra is one of the mm-hmm. pr- people most responsible for putting this stuff together and writing mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so again, we don't know. We yeah. don't. We don't yeah. actually know, and um, and I go back to the same thing I said about whether Genesis one and two are literal. Mm-hmm. I, it. I, I don't think it matters if Genesis right. 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 It, in right. the end, it doesn't um, doesn't change for me mm-hmm. the heart of what the text is trying to to, to get across. Right. We weren't there. Right. right. We don't know. Right. Right. But it, Moses could have been someone who passed it on. Right. Right. And. Uh, like you said, yeah. oral tradition, passing it down. I think that theme of exile is, is really important to, to touch on. Yep. Uh, because that, that's what the prophets mm-hmm. were dealing with, right? Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and that's uh, what um, the Israelites yep. were dealing with, right? They, uh, they were uh, out of Egypt, right? Wandering in the wilderness. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that's, that's what we see in Genesis 3, yes. right? with Adam and Eve, yeah. right? They are exiled exactly. from yeah. the garden, Absolutely. right? And so there's there's a lot of things that yeah. really are exactly. starting to yeah. shift our perspective here yes. on like, okay, maybe this isn't yeah. so much about history. Yes. Maybe this is leading up to something. And so, so you see in the scriptures the theological importance of the Exodus, uh, uh, Moses leading the people mm-hmm. out of Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Why does that story take on such importance for the people mm-hmm. over Abraham's choosing or uh, David's kingdom? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, those things are emphasized; they are important. But the, the Exodus is the central story, yeah. right? Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because a people in Exodus are looking for a reason to have hope. Mm. Oh, look what God did in the past. Yeah, He didn't leave them in slavery in Egypt forever. He mm-hmm. will rescue us. They're mm-hmm. holding on to that hope that the mm-hmm. God who, uh, who who brought them out of exile before uh, is going to do that again, yeah. right? So there's theological 
uh, reasons for these t- texts to be written the way that they're mm. written, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, again, it doesn't, for me, take any of the powerful power away. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. it's it's incredible what what God is doing in and amongst the people in a mm-hmm. context. It's mm-hmm. not written in a vacuum. Right? right. Right. Like if 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 God were to just sit down and say, "I'm going to write you a text of exactly who I am mm-hmm. and what I'm about," and it just needs no context, we would have a very different book. But we have a book that's shaped by mm-hmm. a context. It's it's shaped by a history yeah. that helps us to, to see this lens of what, what God is doing in and amongst the people. Mm-hmm. And again, um, what that is is an acknowledgement mm. that we're human, mm. right? Um, we live in a day and age where we have more information than we've ever had mm-hmm. um, and a scientific method to uh, prove that mm-hmm. information uh, as best we can possibly do with mm-hmm. the information that we have, which is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And yet people still believe what they want to believe. Right. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Like, people can watch the same thing unfold on a news channel and Mm -hmm. have completely different ideas of what actually happened. Yeah. Um, And they'll make up their own alternative facts. If you, Mm -hmm. you know, the podcast, you can't see me doing air quotes (laughs) here. Uh, They'll make up their own version of it that couldn't possibly have happened Mm -hmm. from what we saw on video. Mm -hmm. Because... We will believe what we want to believe. And yeah. so, so for those who get upset at me for saying like, hey, it's okay that the scriptures are somewhat subjective and not perfectly objective, mm-hmm. that's humanity. That's who we mm-hmm. are, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just a part of our limitation. And so we can only access truth through even those limitations. Mm. What I think is beautiful about the scriptures is that God condescends to our level. He enters mm. into and speaks to us um, and through us, through the authors of Scripture, mm-hmm. in ways that we can access. Yeah. Not in these perfectly high, lofty, objective ways that we wouldn't understand because he's God and he's, mm-hmm. his, his mind is unsearchable. Like, how can mm-hmm. we understand him, right? right? But instead, he speaks to us in ways that we can understand through mm-hmm. language, mm-hmm. you know, through, through culture, through, mm-hmm. through all sorts of things. So another, sorry, lengthy rant about this, but I think... <laughs> Like as we get into it, it's it, it's okay that the the, yeah. the scriptures um, are what they are. Let's let mm-hmm. them be what they are. Yeah, I think it makes it more beautiful. I think it makes mm. it more compelling. Mm-hmm. It makes it more relatable. Yeah. you know, like I can get into the mind of a person in exile who's reading the Exodus Exodus narrative and going, mm-hmm. okay, we can keep pressing forward, and we mm-hmm. need to lean into faithfulness to God because yeah. that's what's going to lead us to our freedom eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we rebelled, and now we're in exile, but. If we come back to God and we're faithful and we do what he's asked us to do, he'll free us like he freed Moses and mm. the people, right? Yeah. I want to bring it a, a little bit back to Genesis. Yes. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, but we are building to something, sure. right? right? And, and of, yeah, yeah. of course, we're, we're building to, yeah. to Exodus and, and things like that and uh, the theme of exile. Yeah. We're, we're looking at these things and, and saying, okay, maybe we're not understanding them. Yeah. We're not reading into them correctly. Right. And then we, we come to this story. In Genesis four about Cain and Abel, yeah. and this is uh, so <laughs> mind-boggling when you actually dig into it yeah. because this this story like doesn't seem to have a point, yeah. uh, in in some ways. And so what what we grew up kind of hearing in in Sunday school is like, well, well, God really loved Abel, and and his sacrifice was good, and Cain's sacrifice was not good, and so God was mad at him, yeah. and uh, and so then Cain got angry and killed Abel because he was jealous. Yeah. But where does that actually say that? 
in right. in this passage. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things where we we like to to add meaning to these things that that aren't here. Sure. Um, and that's also kind of the point. Yes. Uh, and so it's this this extra uh, nail in the coffin, so to speak, of like this isn't meant to be a, yeah. a literal like we're reading a history textbook. Yeah. And and more so where we start to see the Bible like a mirror. And it's like, okay, well, we, we see that both Cain and Abel make sacrifices, yes. Yeah. We, we see that God looks favorably upon Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's, yeah. right? Then Cain gets upset and kills Abel. Yeah. At what point does it say that he was jealous? I don't know. Right. Uh, we can, we can uh, read the, the passage here. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Uh, does it say sin is crouching at your door? Yeah. Right, he yeah. says to, to Cain. This is God. He recognizes something going on with mm-hmm. him, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Genesis 4, 6, right? Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Uh, why is your countenance fallen? Uh, and it's it's almost this this time. Yeah, and uh, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, yeah. right? And so he's he's saying, Cain, why are you being being all moody? Yeah. Like, like I, I liked your, your brother's sacrifice right but that doesn't mean that like the world is over for you like yeah this is uh almost a a mirror into humanity of like what happens when we don't get our way uh and so it's uh it's this opportunity for us to reflect and and say uh okay well maybe this this isn't a a history of uh, like there, there's yeah. no there's no stanza at the end of chapter four that says right. like and here's the moral of the story. Yeah. You, you're kind of left to right. figure that out for yourself. Yes, to some degree. Uh-huh. And also, I think the answer is found by looking back. Mm. So, um, in Genesis three, mm-hmm. what does it, it say about uh, the the curse that comes from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, part of it is, is going to be enmity between your offspring. Right? Mm. There's this idea that like humanity was united, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because you know if you read it literally, there's only two people, so right. it shouldn't have been that hard to stay. <laughs> right? um, but but the the bigger theme is that there's a united humanity to some degree, and that uh, part of the curse of mm-hmm. us deciding for ourselves what is right and wrong is mm-hmm. this. Mm. So Cain has decided for himself what is right. Yeah. Um, instead of allowing God to be the one who decides what is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when that doesn't go the way he thinks it should go, yeah. instead of going, oh, I was wrong, I mm-hmm. need to correct, he gets mad at God or his mm-hmm. brother or, or the, everything, mm-hmm. um, and he, he allows that sin into his heart, which, mm-hmm. which ultimately leads to the murder of his brother, right? Right. The, the, the world's first murder, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I think that's a bit what he's doing is like, Genesis 3 is this thing of like, here's how it all fell apart. And then 4 through 11 uh, seem to be like, here's like the fulfillment of mm. what God said would happen. This yeah. the, the curse that came from from this initial rebellion of, mm-hmm. of essentially, you know, the theological understanding here of Genesis 3 is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the, is the, um, is the power to mm. rule and reign yeah. in our way instead of the invitation to rule and reign alongside with God right. in his way. And what happens when we rule and reign in our way? Well, bad things, including murder. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and so the Cain and Abel story is is a we you know like for us let's say we see just watch any day on the news you're gonna hear about a murder mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and it's we should be asking the question why does this happen mm-hmm. why do we do this why is it like this and right. this is a big this is people looking back in time to this narrative to say like oh well here's why it happened because we've rebelled against God and we decided on our own what we think is right and what's wrong and yeah. it's turned to chaos it's turned to people doing stupid evil things right? mm-hmm. and so I think it's it's about looking back and, and seeing mm-hmm. this this thing that God is saying is happening mm-hmm. well here's how it's playing out in these right. different ways so let's even look back a little bit right yeah. let's let's talk about the trees yeah right there's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil yeah. we're taught growing up Sunday school right that they're literal trees in a literal yeah. garden you mentioned something briefly that I want to circle back to on, yeah. on like the tree as a metaphor right. for taking the power right. and deciding for yourself what is right and wrong. And right. then, of course, Cain sees the consequence yeah. of what that means yes. is, is like, oh, well, now my brother is dead right. and I'm now being further exiled. Mm-hmm. And so that it's really interesting to kind of take a step back and say like, oh, well, yeah, it is a little bit silly to think about a literal tree right. of knowledge. And we spent so much time trying to decide what fruit was on yeah, the tree. Was it an apple? Yeah. Was it a like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> well, what, what's the point? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's uh, it's not it's not actually a tree, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, something that, that we can read into right. and, and, and say, oh, okay, so you're telling me that uh, that Eve picked na- the, the apple from the tree, yeah. right? Or insert fruit here, yeah. uh, is... Yes. is actually just us deciding for ourselves what is right and wrong versus what god has has said yeah i think it's it's so this this imagery of of trees is is actually used throughout all the bible Mm. um even in revelation there's there's you know uh, these these rivers these waters of life Mm. and Mm -hmm. then the center of it is the tree of life and Mm. this is like the, the metaphor continues right yeah um, and then you see, like, even in the prophets, they'll talk about what it's like when mm-hmm. God redeems and rescues. We will mm-hmm. we'll sit under our own vine and fig tree. No mm-hmm. one no one will make us afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's this imagery of, like, paradise, this, this um, the, the way it should be is, is in this place where there's plenty. Mm-hmm. There's everything that we need, and God is there. He's present, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the garden is this this imagery of mm. what it's supposed to be like. Mm. God is supposed to be here with his feet in the grass, just mm-hmm. like my feet are in the grass, and yeah. we're eating together, and we're walking together, and life, it's the way it should be in a mm-hmm. tree bearing fruit, right, that yeah. provides for us and provides shade for us and all of these things. Like, it's a symbol of the life that we're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil seems to be the sim- symbol of, like, but I get to be in charge of the tree. Yeah, I want more. I, I like, want the power. The tree's mine, yeah. not God's. It's mm-hmm. mine. We're just so bad at learning lessons. <laughs> we just are. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear history repeats itself, or like some people say, well, it doesn't repeat itself, but it, you know, it, it rhymes, you mm. know? Um, it, uh, and I, I just, I, I devour history because I'm just like, we do the same thing over and over <laughs> and over and over again. And my yeah. favorite book, uh, favorite fiction book, is East of Eden. Mm. And uh, this book plays out this idea over and over and over again. There mm-hmm. are, um, um, you know, 
a couple different families and their stories are intertwined, but it literally is like, as the narrative plays out, you're seeing a Cain and Abel story happen again and mm. again and mm. again. And the idea is we just do the same things. We do it in mm. different ways. We do it in different languages. Mm. We do it in mm-hmm. different contexts, but we just do the same thing. We never seem to learn. Mm. And it all comes from this desire to wrestle control of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people don't seem to be getting along with my plan. So I got to wrestle control of them yeah. so that I can have it. And and then to keep it, mm-hmm. well, what must I do? Uh, well, it's, it's, you know, ends justifies means, whatever. And, and what we have is, is people trying desperately to control everything. And in the process, we've polluted everything, mm-hmm. both literally and <laughs> metaphorically. Like yeah. the, the creation itself shows just what our, our, idiocy, our, our re- repetitive, you know, mm-hmm. behavior and inability to learn a lesson. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's interesting because in um, East of Eden, Steinbeck is creative. He does some bad Bible translation. I still <laughs> love it. I think it's good. You know, he talks about it with um, uh, the, the translation from, you know, the kind of wise sage in the book would say that when, when, um, when God says to Cain, he's saying, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to... to to have you but you must master it Mm. the translation that this guy comes forward with is you may Mm. not you must Mm -hmm. you may Mm -hmm. and the idea here is there's a choice to be made Mm. and 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 while the the language probably in hebrew doesn't really say that yeah um i think it's actually pretty a beautiful choice Mm -hmm. uh for him to make as an author because the idea is over and over there are crossroads in Mm. our lives yeah. And here, here's the crossroads for Eve, right? Mm. She's presented this choice to make. Mm. You can trust God, mm-hmm. or you can think that maybe God's holding out on you. Mm. And mm-hmm. that if you just were in charge and just did the thing yeah. um, that's supposed to be God's job, but maybe right. you can do that job better. Right. And the consequence is catastrophe, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's the story of humanity played out over and mm. over and over. And mm-hmm. you see it on a big scale. The quest for power corrupts everyone who eventually has it. Yeah, um, that's my Anabaptist coming out. Um, <laughs> the the search for worldly power, uh, no matter how well intentioned at the beginning, just doesn't end up well. Right? Yeah, and um, and, it, and it hurts so many along the way, and it corrupts the people who are seeking the power and, and until they're unrecognizable. You mm. know, and mm-hmm. so it's the story of humanity, and we just do it over and over and over again and so I think so much of Genesis 4 through 8 uh, 11 4 through 11 really mm-hmm. are this the here's how it keeps happening yeah how it keeps happening yeah you know yeah um, everything is patterns yeah, and cycles yeah, yeah. it's not that uh, that God made humanity stupid right right and that we just didn't have any knowledge of what right. is right and wrong yeah. right but we want to seize that control yeah for ourselves right we yeah. want to be the ones in charge we, yeah. we see that in the book of job yeah right god shows job all of creation job is a whole nother thing to unpack yeah, but totally. that, that's yeah, a later yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. Yeah. um but uh but he he shows job all of yeah. creation and says okay you make the decisions yeah. for a day and yeah. and see how it goes yeah. obviously looking at the yeah. book of genesis it goes poorly <laughs> it's so it's so good though to, to think about it that way though because um you know job is an example but but again think back to okay if, if this book is written in the context of exile mm-hmm. and there's a people trying to make sense of what's going on and they look yeah. back and they say oh you remember these stories that moses passed down about the creation and the flood and all of these things mm-hmm. every time 
we try to take things into <laughs> our own hands, it turned to disaster. Yeah. We wanted a king who would be like the powerful kings and make us uh, world players on the skate stage of everything else. And then these kings were just like everybody else, and they worshiped false gods, and they didn't fight for justice. Mm -hmm. And so God allowed us to walk away from his presence, and it turned into disaster, and that's how yeah. we got here again. And so, mm -hmm. you know, for people in exile, it's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. Like, every time we try to take control, we, be, we want to be the kings and queens of everything, mm -hmm. we train wreck the whole thing. So um, yeah. it's, it's it, it, again, it's back to the theological explanation of how did we get in this mess that we're in? Yeah. And does God care? Is he going to do anything about it? You know? right. And that's so much of the... the you know, initial chapters of Genesis. Well, let's dive into that mess a little bit, right? Yeah, let's do and, it. And, and, and move forward, <laughs> right? Genesis 5 gives us uh, what I like to call kind of like a time skip yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the Bible. And it's basically just the lineages of like, here's how we get yeah, from yeah. this story to this story. It, it is a time skip. Uh -huh. This is one of the, I, I don't want to um, skip over it too quickly because okay. these genealogies are for the literalist approach, the, like what, what is believed to be the silver bullet. Look. It's a detailed list of everybody who existed between so and so and so and so. Right. It's it's history. They're mm -hmm. writing it down for history. One, the genealogy, mm -hmm. the, the kind of like informal genealogy at the end mm -hmm. of chapter four, mm -hmm. and the genealogy in chapter five don't mm -hmm. actually m match. Mm -hmm. There's, and there, again, there's theological reasons for why they're doing this, mm -hmm. and all of the genealogies in scripture actually are, have theological reasons. Mm -hmm. When you go to the New Testament, mm -hmm. Luke's. And Matthew's genealogies don't agree mm -hmm. because there's a reason for that. There's mm -hmm. a, there's a, there's a, 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 they're writing this with a purpose and it's not to be perfectly historical. Mm -hmm. So for example, I was just listening to a podcast, uh, mm -hmm. a history podcast, cause mm -hmm. that's what I do. And it was about people called floppers, mm -hmm. people who would fake injuries or get actually injured on purpose so they could get insurance payouts. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And they would just move from town to town and they would just change their name. And mm -hmm. this, cause it's the, you know, 1800s uh, mm -hmm. or early 1900s. Nobody's there to stop them because mm. nobody's carrying around a social security card or a photo right. ID or anything yeah. like that. You can just change your name. So, like, if that's happening 200 years ago in the United States of America, mm -hmm. like, do we really think that detailed <laughs> records were kept at right. that time that took a genealogy over a span of hundreds of years or mm -hmm. whatever it is? Mm -hmm. Like, and again, it's not to, to take a shot at the genealogies and to mm -hmm. say they're not important. It's to say they exist in these pages for theological reasons, not mm -hmm. to say, look, this is the exact timeline and this is how, mm -hmm. you know... It, it's it's okay that they're not yeah. perfect genealogies. It's okay mm -hmm. that they're not complete or whatever. It's, yeah. there, there, there are theological reasons they mm -hmm. exist beyond, see, I proved it to you. This is mm -hmm. how many years this happened or whatever. Of, of all the, the stuff in Genesis, it's the thing I've studied the least, but it's the thing I've actually most recently become curious about because yeah. I'm like, why genealogy then? And so, you know, I've got some kind of cursory answers that I'm thinking yeah. through, but I'm not going to bore you with it all now because I, <laughs> I haven't worked it out or read enough on it yet. But. No, no, definitely. And this, this is why we're sitting down talking right. about this, because there's there's things that you've been told and you've been yeah. taught and conditioned with yeah. just growing up over the church. A yeah. lot of it has Greek influence. And then you, you take a look at your Bible as an adult and you're like, wait a second. I, I feel like I'm missing something yeah. here. And so uh, that's that's yeah. the, the whole point of this exactly. podcast is yeah. just like revisiting some yeah. of these things. And so uh, maybe we'll, we'll do a, another episode on, on lineages yeah. in, in particular at some yeah. point. But uh, I, I want to uh, go forward to uh, the corruption of mankind uh, yes. is what it's called in my Bible. <laughs> um, but we, we have uh, six, uh, seven, and eight, and nine. Yeah is kind of the, the story of, of Noah yep. uh, uh, and 
we, we see that in, in chapter six. Uh, we, we won't jump into the, the Nephilim a little bit. That, that's a whole other thing whole other, to, yeah, to, to unpack. Right. We'll, we'll focus just on, on the humans in this Good. story that's, right now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we see in, in chapter 6, verse 6, the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, uh, and he was grieved in his heart. Uh, and we, we kind of skim over that a little bit in the church. And then I guess a, a, a summary of what comes next is, God looks at Noah and he's like, "Hey man, you're not too bad. And uh, build a boat." <laughs> and that that's kind of You're the least worst. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. And and so he builds a boat. Everyone thinks that he's crazy. Yep. Uh and and then it rains for 40 days and 40 nights and he has all the animals two by two. And that that's kind of the right. the approach that we sure. take. Yeah, it's a great right? like, you know, it's a classic Sunday school story that, that yeah. you know, is great imagery for yeah. sure. Yep. And then and then all the waters go away and there's a rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and it's it's nice. It's a, a nice thing to to think about if you don't think about it too much right. but then when you think about it just a little bit more you're like wait a second so all the other life on the earth gone yeah what's so special about noah yeah why is god sorry that he made humanity did god make a mistake yeah like does god make mistakes That's a good question yeah. yeah the way i i see it now um and maybe it's just that you know again everything's through a human lens right yeah, yeah. It, trying to understand this through a human lens you know, when we read the the Genesis creation, uh, Genesis two narrative, mm-hmm. God in- invites Adam to participate mm-hmm. in in a, a little bit, not in creation so much, but the rule, the reign mm-hmm. of creation. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is meant to, um, you know, name, you know, the animals right. and all of this. The idea is, he is he is to with God in partnership, steward the creation, rule, mm. reign over it in a way that is godly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the way I, the word picture I've been thinking about lately, because somebody, you know, reminded me of, of group projects in school, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, imagine a, a group project mm-hmm. where um, the least skilled person in the group decides mm-hmm. to hijack the whole thing, turns it in, <laughs> and you get an F, right? Right. Um, you know, most of us have the other version of that story. Like, mm-hmm. my two senior projects were group projects mm-hmm. for uh, media production. I had to do a single cam uh, thing and an advanced audio video thing. Mm-hmm. And I did all the work for both projects. And I remember this dude came up to me on graduation day, like, did did we pass? I'm like, what do you mean we? <laughs> and I didn't tell him. I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell you what grade you got. You can find out when you get your transcript. Maybe you graduated. Maybe you didn't. I was such a jerk about it. I was mad. I did all this work. Anyway. The fair. Right. Fair, yeah. but, but imagine it going the other way of somebody doing all, like just hijacking the project and mm-hmm. messing it up. And it's beyond repair, even though like you, you, you were like, I trusted you, man. I yeah. trusted, you know, yeah. and, and so um, this is a part of, you know, uh, the question did God make a mistake? Mm-hmm. It's it's you know you, you can get into all sorts of theology and you know somebody in our congregation will probably argue about this with me on Sunday uh, about you know free will versus predestination mm-hmm. right, and right. and Genesis seems to pose this this kind of uh, open God mm. to saying like I won't force I won't I won't mandate mm-hmm. otherwise. If if it all is all predestined, God is the author of all the evil we see. Right. Like this was his plan. Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. Or is he saying, 
I'm going to create a being that can participate in the goodness that is mm-hmm. me and, mm-hmm. and in my creation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously, to, for them to truly love me and to, um, uh, and to truly love life, they mm-hmm. have to have a choice. They have yeah. to be able to choose, and that means they could choose something else. Mm. And, and so much of life isn't us choosing evil, right? Mm. Um, like so many of the things that we prioritize over God aren't actually bad things. They're mm-hmm. just not ultimate things, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's so much of what's at play here is that we run after things that aren't God mm-hmm. and prioritize thing, those things over God, who is yeah. the giver of all good things in life, and mm-hmm. and and it ends up being catastrophic because those things mm-hmm. can't deliver on their promise. They can't yeah. do what only God can do. So, all of that to say, like God is is presented here as as open, as I'm not going to dictate what happens next. Mm. I want you to choose the right thing. Mm. Um, and when humanity does that, it seems to go well. And when we don't. It seems to not go well. Again, yeah. back to the wisdom stuff that we were talking about in our sermon series on Proverbs is mm-hmm. that's the, the way the created order is, mm-hmm. right? There's this idea that, um, and it's all throughout the wisdom literature, that God is this good creator and everything has this order to it. Mm-hmm. And when we live with wisdom, when we pursue God, mm-hmm. we are like in the flow. We are in the grain of mm-hmm. the created order and it's good and it's working mm-hmm. how it should be and then when we rebel or we chase after things that are not it's like we're going against the grain of that uh, and that's obviously leads to bad things so mm-hmm. so the, the the story of of Noah um, there's a couple things to it one there's a um, you know God going hey I, you know the word is he repents mm-hmm. that he made humanity like mm-hmm. there's a sense of um Humanity that's attributed to God, this yeah. anthropomorphic thing that's happening where, you know, like, if God was human, he would be like, what did I do? You know, right. and he's not, but mm-hmm. we can only understand him through human eyes, right? Mm-hmm. So the author puts it in that way. Mm. But there's this acknowledgement of, like, I gave them the choice, and they keep choosing wrong. They keep mm-hmm. doing what's right in their own eyes, yeah. and it's a mess. You know, mm. they keep choosing, you know, to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the, the, the you know the ability to choose for myself what's mm-hmm. right and what's wrong, right? And it's turned to total chaos, and Noah seems to be the only one who's not that way, right? Mm-hmm. The reason I think um, the, the the author or authors of Genesis um, tell the Noah story is this idea um, that God's starting over. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a new Adam, mm-hmm. you know? We actually see this um, fleshed out in the New Testament really well, where mm-hmm. Jesus is called the new Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the fact that he, he starts over with a new Adam and it still doesn't work, <laughs> um, it, it really points to our need for a Savior yeah. um, and, and our need for a, a different kind of Adam, mm-hmm. uh, which is what Jesus is, um, mm-hmm. the you know God in the flesh. The, the, the truest human that's ever lived is also, mm-hmm. you know, God. So mm-hmm. anyway... Um, so th- that's the idea is that God's starting over. We have a s- second Adam. He's going to mm-hmm. get it right, or he has the opportunity to get it right. Yeah. And, you know, we see by the end of his narrative that he's kind of drunken idiot. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, there's all sorts of shenanigans that happen. And, all, mm-hmm. okay, then we start to see sins spill out and mm-hmm. everyone, again, doing what's right in their own eyes. And it yeah. just keeps devolving further and further. And so, um, to me, that's the literary function of, of chapter six is God 
going, okay, I'm going to give you guys another chance. Yeah. We start fresh with a new guy. Yeah. And he's just like the old guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so how much of this do you think is, is things that can be taken literally, mm. like the character of Noah and things like that? How much of this is, is what we talked about with like a, a flood mythology right, right. Yeah. that we see in, in other cultures? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, not to be flippant, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think it matters. Yeah. If you want to read it literally, uh-huh. you will get the same rich theological understanding of what is happening and how God interacts with humanity as mm-hmm. the people who would say, here's a, a group of people, a, a Hebrew group of people trying to make sense of the the dominant story that exists, mm-hmm. right? When you, you read the Sumerian flood narrative, mm-hmm. it's very, very similar to this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and even there, there are other stories where you see... Um, there's a flood that happens, mm-hmm. and then, in order to make sure a flood never happens again that wipes out, you know, a bunch of people, mm-hmm. we're gonna build a tower for us all to live in, mm. so that we're protected from the deluge of water that's mm. coming again. Mm-hmm. So the flood and the tower <laughs> stories are connected, yeah. and they've, they've, they're, you know, probably every civilization has mm-hmm. experienced some sort of flood, mm-hmm. right? And, and it was catastrophic. Mm-hmm. And so what do we make sense of that? Does mm-hmm. God hate us? Mm-hmm. Is this God's judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And so these stories exist, and here is the, the uh, because real floods exist. Mm-hmm. There's obviously no evidence that there was a worldwide flood that wiped out all of, you know, uh, there, there's just too much evidence that, yeah, there, <laughs> while this story is purported to be happening on the timeline, there's mm-hmm. these people over here in the desert where there's no water at all, right? right. Like, it's right. not a thing, <laughs> right? Sorry. I shouldn't be so flippant. It, <laughs> like it, it just doesn't matter if right. it's this thing. It's it's them saying, "Hey, here's the dominant story of the world. How does how do we and how does our God mm-hmm. Yahweh Elohim fit into that? How yeah. do we make sense of that?" And yeah. and so I think that's what's really going on here. And um, again, the theological understanding being um, one: God isn't giving up on us. He's trying mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. He's starting fresh. Yeah. Um, and two. We're just like Adam, and we're just like Noah. We mm-hmm. keep trying to 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 get it right, and um, without God, it's impossible. I don't I don't see it as as being flippant. I think it's a, a really good point to make. Like yeah. I think oftentimes growing up in a church, we're we're given a binary decision, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's either you agree with me or you disagree with right. me. Uh, you're you're right about this right. or you're wrong about this. It happened this way or it happened this yeah. way. Uh, it's literal or it's metaphorical, right. whatever it is. And I think right. it's important to, to say maybe like we opt out of this decision and say maybe that's just not the point right. of what's being written here. And and well, we'll, we'll, we'll continue yeah. to say that over and over again. Yeah. But we do that because it's important yeah. to, to say like, okay, this, this isn't a science book. It's not yes. a history book, right? This is oral tradition passed yeah. down and and a group of people in the Middle East trying to make sense of everything going on yeah. around them. That's such yeah. a good point to make because like, okay, who's the greatest teacher of all time? Jesus. Jesus, good. Correct answer. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> no, um, most of his teaching was done through parable, right? Mm-hmm. So why would we say it's okay for Jesus to say, hey, there was a man who was walking along the road mm-hmm. and he was assaulted and beaten and mm-hmm. robbed and then a Samaritan, you know, and he tells the whole story of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is it okay for Jesus to make up a story yeah. like that? Yeah. That, yeah, could, you know, it makes sense because it's using, you know, actual towns and, and people mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. might see along yeah. the way. Like, it fits the reality, but it's not a thing that actually happened. 
Right. Why is it okay for him to do that to mm-hmm. teach theological truth, but not the author of Genesis uh, 1 through 11 or, yeah. or any book, book of the Bible? Yeah. Now, you know, I, I get why people feel like, well, that's, you know, this slippery slope that leads us to, like, if that's not true, then how can this be true? Like, mm-hmm. again, it's a theological book. Yeah. It's, it's written by people who are trying to make sense of the world that mm-hmm. they're in. They're not trying to say, like, how did it exactly happen? Write me a perfect, mm-hmm. like, forensic thing. Like, right. the Gospels tell four different versions of the same story with different mm-hmm. emphases and even different words that Jesus spoke in yeah. these same scenarios. Yeah. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? It's, it's, it's actually not important. Like, right. It's the truth that is contained within there yeah. um, more than the details being exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's what's, you know, the, the Noah story is one of those, you know, it, you get Noah, you get Jonah, and these things that are very mm-hmm. like vivid imagery for Sunday school. Well, there's a reason the imagery is so vivid. <laughs> yeah. You don't forget a story like this, right? right? Yeah. And, and if you live in an oral tradition, these stories come alive in a way that you don't forget. And, mm-hmm. and it helps you to understand, like, if you're trying to teach a theological thing, you don't tell a boring story. Right. You don't tell a story right. that has just mundane details. You tell a rich, mm-hmm. powerful, colorful story, right? And yeah. so... Again, it doesn't, for me, take away the power of what's happening in the text. It doesn't mm-hmm. take away from me the, the theological truths that yeah. exist within it. It's it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's 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 us in our limitations doing the best that we can to understand mm-hmm. life on this planet, which is very complicated. Mm-hmm. So, if the point was to paint a picture of how mean God is, yes, and the just like to mourn the deceased and things like that, we would have a whole different set of information, right? We would have uh, a lot more information about the people uh, other than Noah. We would have numbers dictating the the number of deceased, right? Anything that that you would read in a history textbook of like, oh, here were the ideologies of this side, the ideologies of this side, and here's the numbers of people who died on each side. But if you're just telling a story where the point yes. isn't about the people who died, but about this this guy, this yeah. this new Adam, right? You say, yeah, everyone died. Yeah, yeah. like moving on. Yeah. Like, and, and so there's, there's things that are skimmed over and details yes. that are left out. And it's really important, I think, to again further emphasize that this is the way that like ancient Middle Eastern literature was yes. written was uh was to, to almost draw you in with yes, lack of detail absolutely. so that you can uh so that you are reading the text but the text is also reading mm-hmm. you uh and it's that idea of the yeah. bible being a mirror and also it's the like like you said like the you want to tell an interesting story mm-hmm. so that it's remembered yeah uh the the authors of the bible are so good at strategically leaving out unimportant details that it it just makes you want to get involved with the text yeah so so to take it back to the question like well did moses write this Mm -hmm. even if let's say he did yeah how many other people in the community were literate almost none (laughs) right almost none and so this is the way you would write in order to, to 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 transfer truth about god about humanity about the world is through story mm-hmm. and 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 through memorable story yeah. um and so like we talked about before like well does that make it a myth like w- w- we are the the people who have the show Mythbusters, right 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 um like we we think of myth as a bad thing as opposed to like it's a cultural thing it's the way that we mm. we we remember 
um, in order to, mm-hmm. it, to to grasp something bigger than the story itself. In, yeah. in the story is the truth, mm-hmm. even if the details of the story aren't mm-hmm. word for word exactly how it happened, right? Yeah. And I think um, uh, when we read the text with humility, mm. with that kind of humility and understanding our limitations, uh, it actually does, it makes me more in awe of God. Mm-hmm. It makes me more go, oh, I... I can't fully grasp who he is, mm-hmm. not because he doesn't want to be known, mm-hmm. but because I am limited. Yeah. I, I can only know so much. I can only understand so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these these uh, the, the the humility with which the, the is, Israelite people even thought of God that like if you see him, you'll just die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've often heard this phrase. You know, uh, God can't be in the presence of of unholy sinners. <laughs> And the, the scripture actually paints a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's like unholy sinners can't be in the presence of God. Like yeah. we'll do the Indiana Jones thing where the guy's face melts. Right, like right, that's right. the idea here is that like he's like this refining fire. And if there's anything within me that's sinful, it'll burn it up. And mm-hmm. if I'm full of sin, I'll, I'll be burned up completely. Like mm-hmm. this is the imagery that we get in the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we think we've mastered this text, mm-hmm. we've lost the humility to say mm-hmm. that God is transcendent chapter mm-hmm. one of genesis they, mm-hmm. they there there's mystery here he is he he does draw near but he's still other than he is mm-hmm. not like he, he 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 can't you can't wrap your mind around him completely and mm-hmm. and, and and what if that's okay you know mm-hmm. like what if uh that's the downside of of uh, humanity is that um so much comes from our curiosity and our quest for knowledge um but the one thing that flew out the window, I think, especially in the Enlightenment period, is that like, no, we'll solve every mm. problem through knowledge. Mm. Like, right now, what's the, the the trend is these super billionaires trying to figure out how do I not die? How do I live as mm. long as possible? Mm-hmm. And it's just, bro, it's undefeated, man. <laughs> like, you might prolong it a little bit through science, but like, mm-hmm. we have this problem that we cannot solve. Yeah. Um, and our knowledge, instead of making us humble and saying, hey, I'm finite. There's only so much I can understand, and I'm going to just keep trying and studying because I'm curious and I want to know God, but mm-hmm. I have to be okay with the fact that he's God and I'm not, mm-hmm. um, versus the, no, we can do this. We'll, yeah. you know, That's the Tower of Babel mentality. Yeah. We will build a tower to be in the heavens um, because we want to be like God. Yeah. Right? We, want, we, want, we want the seat that God has. Yeah, and same thing as the garden narrative. Same thing as, yeah. same thing as we, garden. We, we want the control. Yeah. Uh, we we don't want to approach things yep. with humility. We, yeah. we want to have it all figured out. We, we want all the answers. Exactly. What if what if having all the answers isn't the point? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And what if a good healthy uh, understanding of our finiteness, our our uh, our limitations, is is actually really good for us? You know, yeah. um, which you know. Then you read Jesus's words and you're like, oh, that's kind of his whole thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We are coming up uh, towards the, the end of these passages here, yeah. but we we talked about this idea of a new Adam, yeah. right? And so obviously we have the first Adam, yeah. right? And then we we see it's uh, kind of repeated uh, with uh, with Noah, yeah. right? We see it repeated again uh, in Moses, right? Right. We see it uh, repeated again with Abraham, mm-hmm. right? We see it repeated uh, with uh, the kings yep. of Israel, right? Finally, 
the the people of Israel are like, we need a king, yeah. but not you, God. We want a human yeah, king, yeah, right? Like, and so so they got real close, but yeah. they they missed it. Yep. Uh, and, and and then uh, right, um, and, and then eventually we we get to to Jesus, yes. right? Chapter uh, eleven here, we we move from the flood narrative. We have another chapter ten is is the descendants of Noah, yeah. and then we come to eleven, which is uh, kind of seems. A little disconnected from the rest of it, but understanding that uh, the flood narrative and the tower narrative were, were very uh, conjoined and yeah. connected yeah. Uh, stories in in uh, the ancient Middle yeah. East, that kind of paints a, a, a better idea of yeah. of what that is. And um, this actually hit me recently, and I even see a footnote of it in the Bible. Oh, nice. uh, but we we talk about the story of the Tower of Babel, right? Uh, humanity wants to be like God, so they build the tower to heaven. God says, okay, none of you speak the same language anymore, yeah. right? And everything is is scattered, yeah. right? The, the Tower of Babel is kind of like the origins of Babylon, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it hit me just like yep. two weeks ago where I was like, oh, Babel, Babylon. Well, that makes sense. Like, why didn't I? Why didn't I make that connection yep. in my mind sooner? But then it, it makes even more sense when uh, we we realize that in chapter twelve, which we're not going to go into sure. too much, but chapter twelve, we we start getting this guy Abram, yep. la- later named Abraham, and he is journeying out of Babylon. Yep. We we touched on it a little bit already. What is the Tower of Babel? Yeah. Uh, and obviously, it's it seems like it's a repeat of the garden, yep. right? And we want to seize control. We want to be like God. We yep. want to live forever. Uh, why does God need to to yeah. separate all the languages? Is, uh, again, asking the question, is that a literal thing that happened, or is that just another yeah. way of ancient Middle Eastern peoples explaining right. why we speak different languages? Yep. Yeah, so, again... <laughs> This is one of those things like, okay, if this is related to Babylon, mm-hmm. um, why would that take such precedence in a book that um, uh, in, in a series of writings like mm-hmm. the Pentateuch where it's mm-hmm. the Canaanites that are the biggest problem, not the Babylonians, mm-hmm. right? Um, which seems to suggest a much later date and, and non-Mosaic authorship, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Babylon is, is somehow back in the forefront of this book that really shouldn't involve Babylon all that much, right? Right. Um, uh, so that's an interesting piece of it, but it goes back to this same idea of the, the there's a flood narrative in in uh, Samaria, right? There's a Tower of Babel mm-hmm. narrative. It's not called the Tower of Babel. It's mm-hmm. different, but it's the same concept, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's multiple different versions of this uh, in different cultures, and um, and you know the different narratives and different cultures seem to tr- be trying to explain some other cultural phenomenon, but they're all trying to figure out, like they're all, there's always a moral to the story. Mm-hmm. See, this happened and that's why blank. Mm-hmm. So exactly what you said there at the end is that like, why do we speak different languages? Like, why is this, <laughs> like, why, you know, wouldn't it be easier if we could communicate more easily? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've got now thousands of years of hindsight and linguists mm-hmm. who understand like, you know, if you are listening to someone speak Spanish, you're going to pick out words that you go, oh, that's very similar to this English word, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did those things, like, merge together or where did they merge away from? Like, how did yeah. we get, like, we, we have some some ways of understanding that now mm-hmm. that, of course, they didn't have then. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's this, like, it's, it's almost like a... 
it's like, a, hey, humanity should be united. Mm-hmm. We're not. Mm-hmm. This must be some sort of curse from God for something that we did. And mm-hmm. what kind of thing do we do? We <laughs> we try to usurp God, right? Yeah. And and you know, so what would be the easiest way for Him to confuse us and keep it? Was God really threatened mm-hmm. that they would build a tower to heaven? <laughs> um, if you think the earth is flat, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, apologies to the flat earthers out there. But, like, we've now sent rockets to space. Like, where, what were they going to build this thing to? You're going to run out of oxygen at a certain point, right? right. Like, <laughs> did, did we did we miss heaven like, on the way up? Right. Did like, we miss it? Is it, like, somewhere between, like, the, you know, the the, the stratosphere and the – I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know sci- I don't know science. I don't know. I ask my wife. She knows how that works. Um, but, again, it's it's like here's a, here's a story that we've heard. Uh, that's dominant in the cultures that surround us. It's mm-hmm. kind of just taken for granted that this story is a part of, you know, the history of mankind to teach some moral truth of mm-hmm. or another. And and so the, this version of it is to make sense of why we speak different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I would so much of the meaning I would read back into mm-hmm. um, the uh, the Genesis three curse. Right mm-hmm. in the curse of Genesis three, you have all of a sudden there's a Man lived in, in harmony with creation. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And then now it's going to be really hard to live in this land. It's going to require a lot of work, mm-hmm. and it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be painful, all of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so our relationship with creation, jacked up. Mm-hmm. Our relationship with God, now, he was walking with us in the garden. Our feet were in the same grass as his, and mm-hmm. now there's distance. Mm-hmm. And we, we do interact with God, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like like you and I sitting at this podcast table mm-hmm. um, where I could reach across and grab your Bible and take mm-hmm. it. Like, it doesn't feel like that with God. There's yeah. some distance and mystery and 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 um, the closeness that we want, we never seem to fully achieve, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's there's involved in the curse, there's there's enmity between people. There's mm-hmm. there's all of a sudden division mm-hmm. amongst people. Mm-hmm. And, and here we see it represented in language, mm-hmm. right? Like there's this language barrier that makes everything difficult mm-hmm. um and language is actually one of many symbols of culture mm-hmm. and i think that's a, a a really interesting thing about genesis 11 is that language is one ingredient mm-hmm. to what makes a culture that culture yeah. right um and so many misunderstandings actually mm-hmm. happen like you think of global conflicts and how much they would not be as uh, likely or as bad as they are if mm-hmm. we understood the cultural differences between uh, the two parties at work, right? Mm-hmm. We just think of it as like this, you, you know, like when you hear people explain World War II and how it started, it's like, oh, because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. Like, uh, well, that was World War One. sorry. World mm-hmm. War One, And then you're like, you, there was so much other stuff going on in mm-hmm. the world that led to World War One, mm-hmm. other than that. That was one piece of it, right? Right. Um, but we just want to oversimplify it and say, mm-hmm. well, this happened because of this. And we yeah. miss all of the nuances that exist within our cultures and mm-hmm. our language that if we actually tried to understand, we would find more harmony. But we just, my way is better than your way. And that's why we can't get along. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of that to say, like, that's that's part of the tricky piece of, of being human is that we have these cultural differences. It would be so much better if we could just speak the same language. And here we are in this mess because we can't understand each other. It's mm-hmm. part of, you know, essentially part of the curse that mm-hmm. that what we forfeited when we decided to take control of our lives and the world around us mm-hmm. was peace between 
humans. And yeah. so we lost peace with God. We lost peace with creation. We lost peace with um, each other. And then, you know, ultimately we see like we lose peace within ourselves. We're not we're not right. Like we're we're twisted up. And mm-hmm. and that plays itself out through the, through the scriptures as well. And so. That, to me, is a lot of the theology that plays out from Genesis 4 through 11 is this is the outworking of this decision that these people made, and not just these people because mm-hmm. all of humanity continues to make that same decision of, of mm-hmm. trying to be the, the king and queen of their own life. The people of, of the ancient Middle East, uh, specifically the people of Israel, yeah. would have taken a look at uh at these these narratives yeah. um there, there's uh these ancient mythologies of uh, typically it's it's a mountain but yeah. the israelite version of the mountain is the garden right right uh they have the the flood narrative yeah. right they have the tower narrative yeah. uh and that all leads up uh to at least where the biblical authors are kind of leading is is to babylon yeah. and this this guy uh abraham yeah. and that's that's where we kind of pick up the yeah. story and Abraham plays a key role yeah. in kind of the he's right. he's the the father of many nations, right? He he has a son who has a son who's named Israel, and that's who Israel is named yeah. after, yeah. right? And so a lot of things come out of Babylon. Yep. Babylon also then later becomes a very important piece yep. of the the Israelite history. Yes. And so my my final question here is is as we're coming up towards the the end of chapter 11 and, and going into chapter yeah. 12 and the story of Abraham, could we potentially approach Genesis 1 through 11 in a different way mm. than this binary decision of, of literal versus metaphorical? Yeah. Instead, look at it as another creation mythology of like, this is how we got to where we are yeah. as the people of ancient Israel. Yeah. This is how... This is our way of explaining our history, yeah. how we came to be, uh, in light of all of the the other creation mythologies yeah. around us. This is how we got to Babylon, yeah. and then eventually everything circles back to Babylon, yeah. and now we're looking at the time of the prophets and saying yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. L- looking at this through the lens of Babylon is starting to make sense. So, so yeah. is is Genesis is it appropriate, I guess, to look at Genesis one through eleven as the origins of uh, how we got to Babylon. Certainly, I think it's it's really helpful to to set that stage because that that backdrop of Babylon is uh, in the New Testament as well, and mm-hmm. even the Book of Revelation, uh, Babylon is um, is uh, the symbolic mm. force of evil, even in um, the the coming you know end times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, according to 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 the author of Revelation, and. Um, if, if Genesis 1 through 11 are set the theological tone mm-hmm. for what's wrong with humanity, like mm-hmm. what's right with God mm-hmm. and what did humanity do to get it so wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's ultimately the way I, I, I think I, I would interpret it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the story of how did we get ourselves in this predicament, yeah. right? And then Babylon, uh, all the way to the end, very end of the Bible, in the mm-hmm. Revelation, is a symbol of an empire mm-hmm. that seeks to compete with God. Mm. Um, and you see that in actual Babylon and mm-hmm. Assyria, which eventually b- those two nations separately, you know, capture uh, the people of Israel, send mm-hmm. them to exile, you know, occupy the land, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're eventually, you know, 
multiple different, you know, the Persians get in the mix a little mm -hmm. bit, um, and, and the Roman Empire eventually becomes the dominant force. And when so when the author of Revelation is writing about Babylon, it's code for Rome. Mm. And the reason they don't say Rome is because it's not just a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. This is a story of humanity. Right. Babylon keeps happening. It's a pattern. It's a new name. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. And this is the story from the beginning. God said, rule with me. We said, no thanks, we'll rule our own way. Mm -hmm. And the end result continues to be Babylon. Yeah. Uh, whether you call it Babylon, Rome, mm -hmm. well, you know, the Greeks, whatever, the, the dominant empire of that day is, is the symbol of rebellion against God and trying mm -hmm. to do things your own way. Mm. And so you see the prophets speaking out mm -hmm. against these powerful nations that are, uh, are, are, you know, harming their own people, harming mm -hmm. God's people. And mm -hmm. then you see the Israelites being judged because they're trying to be like mm -hmm. the Babylons yeah. of the world. And, and so they, they receive, you know, the, the, their, their um, punishment or mm -hmm. the, the removal of God's protection or whatever, mm -hmm. um, uh, however this story plays out. Um, mm -hmm. But all of it sets the story of like this big symbol of Babylon as mm -hmm. the the outcome of rebellion mm. of God's rule and reign. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, I think that's what's what you miss if mm. you read it through just pure you know history. Give me just the facts, and this right. is what we think the facts are. But if you're reading through a theological lens of a group of people trying to make sense, mm. and that group of people continues to try to make it sense of it, because even after Jesus, Babylon is there in the form of Rome, and mm -hmm. Babylon will come again in the form of the British Empire, and it, yeah. you know, on yeah. and on and on it goes. This is a story of humanity, mm -hmm. and and so what does it look like to resist that? What does it mm. look like to live under God's rule and reign, mm. even in a world where there are others who are trying to compete with God? Yeah, and um, so. It's so much, I think that's, you know, one of the beautiful things about Genesis 1 through 11 is it just sets the theological framework for, you know, all of what's to come in history to mm -hmm. understand how do we get here? What should we be doing? Mm -hmm. You know, how do, mm -hmm. we, how do we make sense of where we're at? Um, does God care? You know, mm -hmm. and, and if so, what is he doing about it? And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think that's the, the beautiful thing about the Bible is while it's written by many authors, um, and uh, there, there are many different purposes uh, and styles and mm -hmm. genres and all that stuff. You can see it come together because it's, it, there's this universal thing that we experience as humanity mm -hmm. that um, even the way that we try to explain and understand the creation of the world and how we got to it, the mm -hmm. fact that there are people across the globe that mm -hmm. have come up with very <laughs> similar stories to try yeah. to explain it. You're like, there's something about it that 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 um, speaks to us, mm. that draws us in, and makes us go, "Okay, I want, I want to know more. I yeah. want to know what God is like." Mm -hmm. um, and and, and I, I think it's really beautiful and powerful. Um, so yeah, uh, short long way to say, uh, short yes. I think <laughs> I think Genesis one through eleven is a big. Uh, it's a precursor to say, like, okay, how do we understand how we got here? And mm -hmm. Babylon is this now looming character that's going to work yeah. its way through the entire scripture. A little bit of foreshadowing yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to the rest of the yeah. Bible, yeah. yeah. It's so important to, to take a look at these four very common Sunday school stories, yeah. right? We have Adam and Eve, we have Cain and Abel, yeah. story of Noah, and then the Tower of Babel. Yeah. They're not bad stories no. to, to share no. with, with a Sunday school class. Totally. Right? But there's there's a little more nuance when you jump into it and, yeah. and view it as one whole of yeah. uh, of the passage and, and almost as like an introduction yeah. to like, 
here's the pattern that you're going to see throughout mm-hmm. the Bible, yeah. right? This isn't necessarily uh, us saying, here's a, a literal history of right. everything that happened, but why might a creation mythology be important? Yeah. Why might a flood narrative be important? Yeah. Why might a tower narrative yeah. be important? How can, can we see ourselves being Cain mm. in the Cain and Abel story? Yeah. And how does that eventually lead to Babylon? And when all of these things grow out of control, yeah. we get this idea of Babylon that then, okay, now now that we have this this mental image of, of what Babylon yeah. is, how are we going to see that yeah. played out through the rest of the Bible? Yeah, so so in, in a lot of ways, Genesis 1 through 11 is, is the introduction to the rest of yeah. the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and we pick up this story with this guy Abraham where it's it's then like, okay, well now... Now we're talking a little bit more about yeah. uh, a more concrete guy yes. yeah. uh, and a more concrete family that yeah. becomes a more concrete nation. Right. So uh, I, I really appreciate you sitting down and, yeah, and talking about this. I, I think this is a, a great way to jump into this podcast yeah. and, and say like, hey, like maybe some of these things that we learned growing up have a little more nuance yeah. to them. Yeah. Maybe take a, a little bit more explaining yeah. Uh, to, to sit down and, and talk about it. And, and I think this is a really great place to start because there's so many questions right. about these, uh, these stories yeah. in just a short 11 chapters that will set up uh, the rest of the Bible and right. subsequently, after thousands of years, the rest of this podcast. Yeah.